cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Obain, a single vineyard estate of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay located in the Eola Amity Hills for sponsoring the podcast. Today, I have to talk about the Anahata Vineyard. Anahata is a Sanskrit word for the heart chakra. Eight blocks of the vineyard are different translations of the word joy. There's one particular block called the SMP block. Sister Mary Paul was Andy Lytle's aunt who served South Africa's children for over 60 years, building orphanages and schools. I would tell you the names of the other blocks, but I would mess up the pronunciation way too badly. The level of thought and detail that went into the vineyard name also shines through with the wine itself. You can purchase your bottles of Obain today by visiting their website at obainwine.com and be sure to use the promo code WINENOTES for 20% off. That is A-U-B-A-I-N-E-W-I-N-E.com and promo code W-E-I-N-N-O-T-E-S for 20% off until August 5th. Drew, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you taking the time for the podcast. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, AJ. Yeah. it's. Uh, I will never forget the first time coming out here. I think it was January 2021, freezing cold. I'm out here, you know, disguised as a Unabomber. And I thought about trying to, you know, recreate that a little bit today, but it's it's it's, it's too, too, warm. too warm for that. So <laughs> my, my apologies for not bringing back the Unabomber. But all right. I, I can imagine it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, a majority of the time when I have when I sit down with winemakers and winery owners, I have some background information, but I don't have very much. I was curious about that, having listened to some of your podcasts, and you always are very well prepared. I was curious what you might be able to find about me. So I, I don't have much. So we're just going to start at the beginning and kind of create my own little backstory and okay. go from there. And. The okay, so for everybody else that you know doesn't isn't aware, you know you bought Vidan Vineyard around November December of 2020. November, yep. And uh, before that, you know you were just you you liked to consume wine. You were you love wine. I do. So that brings the question to me: is how did you get into wine? The the origins of my wine story are really Dave Namarnik, uh, of all things. So, uh, owner of Aloro, um, his dad started Pacific Coast Fruit Company um, in Portland, and uh, David has now taken over that. They've got a transportation arm of their company called Rose City Transportation, and, and uh, my previous vocation was in transportation, transportation logistics specifically. Um, and Dave Namarnik owned a, a logistics company that... Um, it was my first foray into the logistics side of transportation, uh, and I began working for him in 1999. And my wife and I, Aaron, got together in 2002 and lived in Northwest Portland, as did David Amarnik. Uh, we often took afternoon strolls in the neighborhood, and one of the afternoon we were strolling by his uh, his townhome in uh, in the Northwest Portland, and uh, at the time. Um, he was really just a garagiste and making wine out of his garage. And right. we walked by, he's noticed us, said hi, exchanged pleasantries, was curious about what he's doing. First time I tried a little bit of uh, Willamette Valley Pinot Noir and thought it was pretty delicious. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So that was, you know, and then just because my personality being what it is, um, I tend to do deep dives on anything I'm curious about. And so... Then it was every weekend, Aaron and I traveling to Oregon wine country. Um, well, I'll preface that. First, it was uh, the neighborhood wine shop, Liner and Elson. It was frequenting uh, frequenting Bob there, uh, and he educated us a lot on Oregon wine and then uh, subsequently into Old World Burgundian styles as well. Um, but, yeah, and then after that, it was like – enjoying these fantastic Willamette Valley wines with Bob and then wanting to know where these wines are coming from, which led us right. to get to, to, to want to come down to the Willamette Valley and visit and see these places and meet, the, meet these people. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was just kind of a, 
a 20 year then obsession of <laughs> of all things Willamette wine. Wow, that's that is interesting. Well, in regards to Willamette Valley wine, shall I pour us a little bit? That sounds fantastic. Okay. You know, I, and I tell this to everybody, um, feel free to talk about, if you want to talk about it, you can. If you don't, that's totally fine too. It is your uh, your discretion, and then at the end, I will reveal what it is. That sounds terrific. I also know from listening to your podcast that you try to pick something that... Uh, has some kind of relevance uh, with your... I try. It is so hard at times. <laughs> um, the the last podcast I did with um, Bruno at Domaine Divio, I thought I had some um, some French aligote. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, that's going to be perfect. And then I went to actually look at it, and it wasn't. And I'm like, ah! So I had to punt on that one. a nice wine i i uh i am hesitant to say a whole lot about um about what's in a glass i'll tell you i uh i'm getting better but uh early uh, on after the purchase of uh, vidon i incorrectly identified my own wine at a, at a i had an opportunity to do that um at a gathering right uh and so since <laughs> I, I don't blame you i don't blame you and that is one I'm thing i will never ever do yeah is embarrass somebody by bringing their own wine because that's the, that's just the wrong thing to do. You know, as we were talking earlier, you know, I am kind of considered the the nice guy. Of, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a great wine. It's got great structure. I love. I mean, the fruit plays great with the acid. It's got a nice long finish. Um, it feels a little warm to me, so I'm, I'm thinking the finish is a little warm. So I'm thinking from a warmer vintage. Um, yeah, and, and and a warm side. I mean, it's it's got some extraction and color from it. So. Um, I'll leave it at that. That's fair. That is totally fair. <laughs> uh, so you talked about uh, you and Aaron mm-hmm. uh, walking around the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe it was 2002. Um, oh, darn. Where was I going with that? 2002 is when the two of you met. Correct. How did you meet? Uh, she also uh, had an opportunity to get a job with uh, with Rose City, working for David Demarnik. So we met at work. Oh, okay. Uh, she uh, she started in I want to say February of two thousand two. Um, she had been recently laid off from uh, being a flight attendant for United after nine eleven. Um, the junior members of uh, flight attendant world mm. um, didn't right. There's right. there's no need. So. Uh, she 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 was months looking for a job and uh i mean the economy wasn't a great one at the time and right um finally landed a job at uh, at rose city transportation she started as the receptionist and um we had a connection fairly early on into uh to her start there and then uh somehow uh negotiated for uh her to become kind of uh my assistant uh which really allowed me um, from a business and a personal perspective, honestly, to, uh, to blossom. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that is cool. So a Laurel has like a nice little connection for the two of you. It sure does. Yeah. Um, we, uh, when we, when we had, uh, uh, gone further in our, into our relationship and, and, uh, had come to the conclusion that marriage was in our future. In fact, uh, a Laurel was on the short list of places that, uh, that we were considering getting married at, but then, um, both of our simultaneous uh, resignation on uh, December 31st, 2005. Uh, <laughs> put a kibosh on that. So. I, I would think so. That, yeah. that would be, that. Yeah, yeah. That, that would put a little bit of a sour taste. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and look, uh, you know, uh, having reconnected with, with David uh, since buying the winery, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it would have been too close uh, at the time, but uh, maybe he would have done. It. I don't know. Right, right. No, we I... did a destination wedding on the Big Island instead. So it very nice. Out. Yeah, that, that's cool. So it sounds like the two of your wine journeys kind of like ran in parallel together, and that the two of you kind of grew together in in the world yeah. of wine. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. Absolutely. Prior to, uh, I mean, we we had wine certainly uh, on occasion, but uh, it was right. generally the uh, 
the seven dollar Chianti from Safeway was was kind of a, right. Yeah, that, I mean everybody kind of goes yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. The um, when you would come out into Oregon wine country, was there like some solid milestone, not milestones, wineries that you all were like, yeah, we got to, this is, the, these are our places. Yeah. I always really enjoyed going to JK Carrier. Uh, this was back when they were in the old barn where Wolves and People is now. And I never forget the first time meeting Jim Prosser and just like, just kind of blown away with the conversation. He's just uh, such a smart guy and, and just, just you never know what else is going to come out of his mouth at any time and it's always interesting <laughs> right um so yeah that early on was fantastic um certainly a fan of Beaufrere back uh, you know in the in the in the early 2000s um and getting to know those folks was fantastic um really old you know Adelsheim and uh, Bergstrom and uh old Cameron uh John Paul um Thomas, um, you know, some of those kind of oh, cult, yeah. uh, cult figures as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, early on, especially AJ, there wasn't necessarily a wine I didn't like uh, or appreciate, <laughs> at least. In January 2013, you and uh, Aaron, along with Sarah and Nathan Smith, started uh, Send a Transportation. And holy cow, it sounded like that was, uh, you were working 80 hours a week. And just diving in and having, I don't know if it would be considered fun. Oh, it's but... terrible. Um, it, and, uh, you know, I say that with a chuckle. It, it wasn't all terrible, but it was difficult. Uh, so Aaron and I had started our own transportation logistics company uh, January 1, 2006, um, and worked it effectively alone uh, for the first few years, and then scaled slightly we hired uh, i've got an older and younger brother we hired both of them into the into the business uh just wasn't a good fit for either uh our family relationship uh and the business so right. uh, we had to identify another way to both scale and to um, determine an exit strategy and that opportunity came for us uh, we had a place in central oregon that we were visiting effectively weekly um and that drive was terrible leaving portland area on a friday afternoon mm. at four o'clock and going to central right. oregon yes uh it was very cumbersome so uh as we determined what that scale was going to look like uh, we determined that bend oregon was was a, a certainly a um, a desirable opportunity so we had worked with nate Smith at Rose City. Um, he was working there when I started in 1999. He had since left and partnered with uh, another person to start uh, their own company. Um, when Aaron and I were looking again to scale and for an exit ex strategy, uh, we identified Nate and his wife Sarah as that opportunity. So they were in Vermont at the time. They agreed to uh, to move to to bend. Uh, at that point, we rebranded uh, the company Aaron and I started in 06 right. to send transportation. It was just uh, all of our first letters of our first name. So Sarah, Aaron, Nate, and Drew spell sent, right? So. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, started that in 2013 um, with, uh, with the understanding that Aaron and I had a five-year exit plan. And we initiated that in four years by converting to a, an ESOP, an employee stock option purchase, um, and then sold the company to our employees uh, in 2017. Nice. Yeah. And then you went into retirement. Yes, uh, at long last after <laughs> after a 28 year career in transportation that um, that rarely was less than 80 hour weeks. Yeah, uh, right. went into a retirement that um, we were ready for. Absolutely. Well, I, and you've been working since you were 11, right? Yeah. You know, um, we, I come from humble beginnings. My, my right. dad was a truck driver and, um, you know, we didn't have a lot. So if you, if you wanted something in my house, uh, you worked for it. Right. Right. So I, we're roughly about the same age and I try to envision myself in retirement. 
And I think I would go absolutely bonkers because I need to be doing something. I need to be chasing some sort of carrot. I need to be uh, just going. And so if, if my understanding correctly, you know, at that point when you're in, in retirement, you know, you were doing, you were uh, way deep into the rabbit hole of wine mm-hmm. and having a bunch of, you know, social events with wine. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to buy a winery? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, what we did initially was travel because that was an opportunity a lot for us. Uh, owning our own company and working the hours we did, travel wasn't in the cards. So we did that a lot. And um, one of one of those travels uh, was, was one of the first trips we took was uh on a river cruise on the danube um and we met three couples from newburgh oregon on this river cruise and knowing wine country and if you live in newburgh you've got in some capacity um some attachment to wine of course um, yes and so there's that natural natural connection um and I, I, it was nick and sheila from onamkara uh, we're on the boat. Uh, Dennis and Heather Lewis. Uh, Dennis owns Lewis Audio and Visual in downtown Newburgh. And then Doug and Kathy Kafal, um, who uh, they had a transportation uh, logistics company of all things, <laughs> uh, were the three couples. Um, and this was our, our first, it was kind of a chance meeting. And um, I had mentioned one night uh, that a, a dream of mine had always been to, uh, at some level, um, be involved with a vineyard or winery. Um, right. But it was casual conversation, and I had forgotten it. We said our goodbyes at the end of the at, of the cruise. Uh, thought nothing more of it. Uh, Fourteen months later, we're in uh, Newburgh picking up some wine for some clubs that we belong to, and stopped in Rosemarinos to have some dinner and. Uh, uh, Heather and Dennis Lewis walked in uh, to have to have dinner as well. Uh, we we hadn't kept in touch, hadn't seen him, anything, but Dennis had remembered the conversation and asked me if uh, if that was something that I was serious about, and I kind of chuckled and, and said, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's been a passion. Uh, and he said, Well, uh, I've got a buddy that's selling a winery. Uh, if you right. have any interest, uh, I'll see if he can show it to you tomorrow. And Aaron and I had nothing going on that next morning. I said, Yeah, we got a couple hours. We'll we'll check it out. Right. So. We came came up here uh, to Vidon. We met Don. We met Vicky. Um, saw the place, saw the site, tasted the wine. Um, it's a kick the tire kind of thing. But um, right afterwards, we had planned to to go to to uh, Moab uh, on a, a little little vacation, a little road trip, uh, and you know figured, well, well, we'll talk about it over over this road trip and see if it's something we'll noodle on it, see if it's something we want to do. And right, right. I, I want to say it was five or six days later, I get a text from Don and, and he says, um, look, I'm not trying to pressure you, but I've got three other offers. I'm 90 years old. <laughs> I'm going to do something. <laughs> right. Uh, I really want you and Aaron to be the people, um, but uh, you need to make a decision. Ouch. And so... It was, was like, Don, give me, give me two days. Let me, give me some time. <laughs> right. Uh, I right. was like, okay, I'll give you two days. Um, and it was, it was a lot of soul searching for Aaron and I as to, um, when we had retired, we were of the age that I think we recognized that if there was an opportunity that presented itself to us, we wouldn't be closed minded to it. Right. But we were also not necessarily going to seek anything out. Um, we had, uh, we had we had spent a lot of uh, energy uh, and and blood sweat and tears into our previous uh, endeavors and uh, we're quite enjoying retirement frankly um, I can imagine <laughs> pre COVID that is um, and then you know this was kind of uh, uh, it, we, ultimately it came down to us looking at each other and it's like would we be upset if we missed out on this opportunity? And and the answer we both gave simultaneously is like, yes, we would, we would be upset. So right. that was all we needed. And there's the serendipity about it too. Like it was, it was kind of random that we would of all places meet three couples from Newburgh, Oregon on the other side of the world and randomly meet one of them again, 14 months later. And right. Uh, so yeah, we, uh, 
we we said and then finally we said look we don't even know if we can get the finances put together within the time frame that don wants so the final determinant was going to be uh can we get financing put together in the i think three week timeline now <sighs> mind you we had not contacted a realtor we had not contacted a lawyer we had not contacted a financial advisor like this like so many things so many (laughs) things we had not done due diligence diligence on the vineyard we had like all of the things and it's like okay well if we get it so yeah it was just a mad rush of of uh identifying smart people to help us um see if if this potential decision was a wise one and uh you know we 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 reached out to some of the contacts that we had uh, that we had formulated over our years of coming to to the valley. Um, many of them said, "Don't do it." They did a terrible job at convincing me. However, uh, <laughs> I, I often bl- blame uh, David Adelsheim and Eugenia Keegan for for that. Uh, they, <laughs> the two of them uh, via Zoom uh, were uh, pretty adamant about. Uh, they said about us not buying, and it and it wasn't anything to do with with uh, Aaron and I in particular individually or our ability to to execute on it, but uh, it was just the kind of their blanket uh, answer to anybody who had asked asked the question. Right. And it wasn't because they don't love it, they don't cherish it, and it's not a fantastic uh, opportunity. But it's not for everybody. Yeah, uh, it's a lifestyle. It's uh, it's a passion. Uh, and if you if if you don't have it, it can be it can be pretty discouraging. I I can totally understand that. So um, my apologies for the rambling. Oh, no, no, no. You're totally, no, no apologies. Uh, so your retirement, I'm just curious, how long did you get to retire for? Uh, we, we stopped day-to-day operations in October of 2017 and then bought this in November of 2020. So three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. It's all I got to say that that's, that is awesome. That it is such a great story. And I am curious coming from like a consumer side of wine Mm -hmm. and then being more of a winery owner, is there like one thing that stands out in particular that is like, Holy cow, I never even began to realize this. You know, people have asked me that quite a bit, and I I don't know that I have that one thing that was holy cow. I think it was just kind of the enormity of everything. I I remember how naive I was going into this. Uh, Specifically, I remember asking Dawn early on, uh, and as Aaron and I went further and further down this road of, of uh, purchasing this vineyard and winery, and, you know, we were having discussions about what's our life going to look like? What's our day-to-day going to look like? How, how significantly is it going to change? And so I asked Don, I said, what, what's, your, what's your day look like? What's your average day look like? Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to... Look, I'm just trying to understand what I'm what I'm in for, right? right. And uh, Don's like, ah, you know, I get up. I'm an early riser, old guy. I get up at five, and I tinker around with some irrigation for a couple hours, and then I take a nap, and then I then I fiddle on the computer for an hour or so, and then I'll go and do something tasting or something, and ah, you know, that's about all there is to it. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that doesn't sound very hard. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> I, can, I can do that. I'm, I'm usually up early anyway, and uh, I don't know much about irrigation, but it doesn't seem too hard. And, uh, you know, um, boy, was I wrong. Uh, and uh, subsequently, like Don, Don, Vicky, Aaron, and I all remain pretty close. We see each other quite a bit, and I remind Don of that. And he just he gets this kind of chuckle and this this little devilish grin and <laughs> and uh, it was just it was a total sales job right um but uh you know he he was he was he was smitten with Aaron and I and wanted us to wanted us to take over for him so um there's a lot of a lot of things like that actually that uh, uh retrospectively I've had conversations with Don uh, for different things and he right he just gives that knowing 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 uh, uh smile um 
but yeah, just the enormity of it all. You know, there's it's it's all it it all takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of planning. It takes, and then especially not coming from it, um, right? It, we it, the learning curve was significant on all of the things. And uh, Aaron's approach to business and life and what we do is very hands on. Um, you know, she also has worked extremely hard for for all her life, and so. Um, that's all we've known is hard work. And so, and wanting to know the entirety of the process. So we just did the deep dive and we, we try to take over as much as we can, or if not take over, at least be involved in. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the enormity of, of everything and the significant learning curve, but, um, it was also the best part. Like I said, I'm not complaining about any of it because it was also all fascinating. I can only imagine. Yes. And there's with, never a dull moment, never a dull day. Um, and never, and it continues to be that. Look, I, we, we both say regularly, we've not even scratched the surface of knowing what we don't know. Well, I mean, that's the world of wine in general. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine the, are you all trying to set towards a schedule where, you're not working 80 hours a week? No, and... no, quite the opposite, actually. Um, <laughs> we continue to identify areas that we want to become more involved with just uh, just to, in an effort to grow our knowledge base, um, right. in an effort to, uh, with our team, help make informed decisions as to what uh, is best for, uh, for the wine, uh, for our community, and for each other. That's the, that's the three elements that... Uh, it's kind of our litmus test of uh, every decision we make. Is it is it going to help uh, one or all three of these things? And um, and without having any kind of building block of knowledge, um, you know, uh, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to have a, a role in that decision. And, and we we like to be involved. So um, so yeah, we're we, we keep we keep figuring out ways to get further involved. And, you know, maybe it's short term, maybe it's longer term, maybe at some point, uh, Aaron and I identify the, the parts of it that really resonate with us. Um, I think everything is still so new and so interesting. And so, uh, just fantastic that we've not, I, I, I'll speak for myself personally. I've not identified, um, anything that, uh, I like more than the other. I, I love it all. Um, right. So we'll see how that goes. No, that are and so I am sure that some of your um, your wine friends or whatever, I'm sure they're like you. You bought a winery, and they're probably either pretty envious or like you, or they think you're crazy, or many thoughts. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a combination of both of those things. Um, uh, they are they are envious until I show them the balance sheet, and then uh, they, they think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> and uh, but they're, they're also incredibly supportive. Um, so there's a couple of uh, particular um, uh, couples that um, you know part of part of our wine nerd group that would get together and throughout the world, frankly, and we'd all bring suitcases of wine and, uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was indulgence to the nth degree, but, um, they, they have worked both of our first harvests with us. Uh, yeah, you know, doing all the grunt work that, you know, there was, there's no pretense. There's no, uh, I mean, they're, they're cleaning bins. They're, you know, right. they're doing all the things. So they're incredibly supportive, wanting to see us improve, wanting to see us grow, uh, you know, I, gosh, that's I, get, me. I get notes from them all the time. Sometimes I get a random bottle of wine from Chris of like, they're making the, the they're making this Chardonnay in this style, doing this with some skin tie contact. Maybe you would want to incorporate that. Give this one a try. Let me know what you think. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Too much input. Yeah. <laughs> Too much input. <laughs> but it's great, right? It's, right. It's coming from the right place. Uh, it's coming from the, their heart. Yeah, so, from the heart. Yeah, that, and yeah. that's, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, coming around to community a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, so the reason that I uh, found Vidon was Tempranillo. Mm -hmm. And so I was on a Tempranillo hunt, and that's how I, you know, ended up coming, you know, to know this property and Don and Vicky. And 
the impact that you've had on the community has been pretty enormous so far and just keeps growing. Um, and one of the things that you've done is, you know, your fall event, you know, raise the temp. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? And, you know, whose brainchild was that? That was Tiket's brainchild. Um, so to get, to get Bramlett to, uh, to who we had hired after, um, Stephanie Hoffman, uh, had left, um, she, Stephanie actually made the introduction. Um, but, uh, Tiket had come up with her family, um, I want to say it was early 21, maybe March of 21, um, and was smitten with the Temper Neal. So um, then when Stephanie was leaving, she was, you know, we said, I get it. Fantastic. You know, all, all the luck to you. Like, we're still close with Stephanie as well. But, um, also, do you know anybody that could take your place, right? So <laughs> right, she right. reached out to her network of friends, and one of the person, the people that she reached out to was was Tiket, and uh, Tiket on upon her visit, like when she came over, it was kind of a similar scenario when you when you first came up here. It was like it was supposed to be an hour, hour and a half, you know, regular tasting appointment, and it turned into a three or four hour thing, and we hit right, it off. Right. And, uh, but she was really spent with our with our Templar Neo and and with the property, and so when Stephanie had reached out, she's like, well, I'd like to consider myself for the position. So um, so it was a fantastic. Uh, opportunity for us, fantastic hire for us, um, and uh, yeah, her brainchild was uh, let's let's do a let's do a Tempranillo event um, that uh, the uh, the uh, the requirement for participation is that you have Tempranillo growing on Oregon soil, right? Uh, and so yeah, so I, I will take credit for the name. The name was the name was my brainchild. But <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, 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 it, I, I, I often say that I, uh, I'm good for one, one good idea a year, and that was mine for 2021. So, what yeah. was your idea for 2022? Uh, 2022, I, my, my idea for 2022 was as it pertains to the Dix 95, and uh, what our, our approach to the winemaking for for 2022 vintage Dix 95. So that, that, that's a topic we got to dive into. Uh, I was going to get to it later, but now, you know, we, we just got to dive in, in, into, uh, you know, into clone 95 here. Yeah. So the first release. Okay. So for me, I think it was in 2019 is when I first heard about, you know, clone 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don told me about it. He was super excited and uh, it just, it wasn't you know, it had just been picked or, you know, mm-hmm. it was super early. And then I think I had a conversation with you and then you, you were just like, yes, the 2019 isn't ready. There was no 2020. Uh, and I believe the 2021, you put in Amphora. I did. All right. So I, 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 I'm dying here. I need an update of like, what's, what's going on with clone 95. Uh, so the 21 Amphora experiment with the, the Dix 95, um, I, it's, it's, it remains to be seen as to, as to what that, what that, uh, experiment looks like. Um, I actually racked it off of the, uh, Amphora, uh, into Oak. Uh, I, I felt like it, it needed a, a, another component, uh, to it. Um, so that... It's still, I, I frankly, um, I know, I know Dave's been tasting on it regularly, um, but I'm kind of consciously not tasting that wine until uh, further down the road. Um, but it helped inform the 2022, and and so I wanted to, I wanted to make a wine with the Dix 95 uh, that was perhaps counter to Vidan or this property's tradition and um I, I really leaned into kind of doing an old world style of of wine in it so um it's gonna be it's a it's a low alcohol 12.3 wow 12.5 maybe uh I, ha- I haven't done alcohol on that I, I gotta put that on my little um but based off of, of what we're at from a bricks perspective uh, and going through fermentation. Um, and then I, I put it in a, a 600 liter punch on uh, for, for the Elevage. Um, and uh, I, I tasted on that yesterday 
and it was it, it's it's my favorite barrel in the barrel room right now. Um, I was I was uh, inclined to uh, do a barrel tasting with you after our after our time together today. And okay, check it out. Yeah. Uh, so when do you think you'll? So we've got the nineteen Dix ninety five in bottle. Right. Um, we anticipate that that uh, that'll be released maybe this fall. Uh, something okay. of that nature. It's it's. Again, haven't tasted that for a while. Uh, again, last time I did, it wasn't quite there yet. So uh, put it put it back in the back of the of the, of the head to taste in six months. So um, the twenty twenty one, it'll be next year. Is my right, guess. Right, uh, right. The twenty one vintage overall seems to be pretty approachable. Young, I, I think that can be said across the valley, uh, which has been fortunate after the 2020 vintage exactly um and then 2022 just the, i think the style of of the wine um will lend itself to uh a release maybe around 25 something like that okay. i guess no that's yeah. that's cool but, but, but the great thing about uh about about our job here is we get to keep tasting through it periodically didn't make that determination yeah no and yeah. that's that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting to yeah. see it evolve and grow. And then when it actually gets released, that will be, uh, that'll be a proud moment. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, for, for the Vidon release of it. Cause it's the only, uh, Vidon made one vintage of it. Uh, Don made one vintage in 2019 as, as the only vintage of it. And then it'll be complete from 21 on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, it's a fun wine as I, as I keep kind of digging deeper and, uh, like everyone says the same thing, but it takes a while to learn your fruit, to learn your vineyard, right. uh, to to kind of make those connections, and um, starting to make those connections two and a half years in. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. Yeah. And I'm sure that uh, that there's so much more to learn. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And as I was driving up here, it looked like that there was a bunch of baby vines that are planted. Yeah. So we we pulled out our um, Chardonnay. Uh, had red blotch. Twenty one Chardonnay was a bear to get uh, to get ripe enough. Um, it just it kind of hit it, it hit like twenty point five bricks and just stopped. Um, we we're I, I think we coaxed twenty one. We might have hit twenty two uh, at the very end there. Right. Uh, the majority of the block didn't hit didn't hit 21 um the uh the portion of the block on the west side uh we hit 22 and that's what we saved um to make a chardonnay with and then uh the rest of the fruit we sold uh to somebody who could blend it into into some maybe riper fruit right um but it was a it was a challenge and then when we had the the frost uh challenge of 2022 um it just it it was just like let's rip the band-aid off um Mm. There's no way this is going to get ripe with this late of a ripening uh, scenario, and when we've got to start over again with our secondary and tertiaries, and um, so we ripped it up and replanted in August, um, seventy six and ninety five. So some more Burgundian clone Chardonnay that we had there previously. Plant a little Wente, um, just for a, a blending component uh, that that we thought would be fun, um, and we we're confident that we have a warm enough site to to ripen Wente. Uh, planted some 352 Chardonnay, got some, I hope, great advice from some people that make some pretty great bubbles. Uh, and they say 352 Chardonnay makes the best bubbles. Uh, and we started our bubble program in 2021 uh, at Methal Champenois. Uh, and so we'll, I, we're all in. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, when, when we get a hold of something, we go all in. So right. did 352 as well. And then... Um, and then planted some Cab Franc as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So okay. um, I, I know that uh, John Paul up at Cameron's got a little bit of Cab Franc, and I think there might be some, one other that's got a little bit of Cab Franc. But, um, yeah, I, I think we can make a fantastic kind of Loire style of Cab Franc. Oh, that'll uh, be interesting. Yeah. yeah. The experimental nature of us. Yes. No, yeah. it's fun. And, you know, I was going to start a rumor that you were going to, you know, have some bubbles and some, you know, with some sparkling coming not out. Not a but rumor. It's it not true. a rumor. Oh, yeah. I got to come up with a better rumor now. <laughs> Jeez. Yep. Um, so, wow, we've covered so much. Um, so in your email, you know, that you put out of like, hey, we're, you know, uh, we're the new owners. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a, a paragraph that said, Drew is, is excited to uh, discover the estate's properties, nuances, learn how to drive a tractor, and try his hand at winemaking. When he isn't discovering new wines, you can find Drew hiking, backpacking, traveling, eating spectacular regional foods, and indulging in a quarantine show or his favorite movie, Tombstone. So since you have uh, taken ownership, mm-hmm. how much hiking and backpacking have you gotten in? I've done zero backpacking. Um, I, we have been hiking, um, not as much as myself or Aaron would like, but um, we are we are trying to be very intentional about identifying one day a week to not be winery and vineyard centric. Right. Um, we have not been incredibly successful in that endeavor. Um, but the effort is is paying off to a degree. At least we're getting a portion of, of the day uh, to do something. So Good. yeah, we've been we're doing more hiking. We've got a a, a trip to Bozeman coming up that's going to be hiking centric, uh, backpacking. So that's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it not so you have to consider the time frame when that letter was penned uh and um our knowledge of what our work day uh was going to look like was driven from my conversation with Don right taking <laughs> naps in the middle of the morning exactly <laughs> exactly so some of that hasn't come to fruition but i'm certainly learning the nuances of our vineyard so that part is true uh, I, I, uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert tractor driver, uh, but, um, I've only had, uh, what Don and Vicky refers to as tractor blight, um, twice in my tractor driving career, which is, so what uh, is tractor blight? Uh, it's, it, it's when you, when you hit a vine or a post or a wire or something of that nature with, with your tractor, that's oh. tractor blight. Okay. Um, I've done that twice, uh, but. Uh, considering the amount of hours I've put on that tractor, I, I feel pretty good about that. Well, good. Well, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> uh, and I have to ask, so Breaking Bad, uh-huh. have you watched Better Call Saul? I haven't. I, oh. I, so I've watched a couple of episodes, and I found, and, look, and I don't know if it was just I was getting into it, starting it late in the night, or it takes a few episodes to get into it. I don't know, but it, it just, I couldn't. I couldn't get into it. It uh, takes about six or seven okay. episodes. Okay. And we'll give it another shot. Then. And then after that, okay. you're, 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 you're done okay. for. You're done. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll give it another shot. Okay. Um, since you have taken o- ownership, is there the – so the Oregon wine community mm-hmm. is just huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the outreach is always there. Is there a you know, specific story that stands out to you since you've been – since you've taken ownership that is that just is near and dear to your heart there's a lot um lucas over jay christopher that taught me how to drive my tractor in 2021 um that stands out and then and then his continued um just just support and friendship um uh, kelly kidney next door uh it's a winemaker over there at uh uh Matt Violet, um, when it came time to make our first, our, our pick decision, the pick decision for our first harvest in 2021. And, uh, you know, certainly had read enough and studied enough to understand from a chemistry perspective what we were looking for, but always knew that there was more to that than chemistry. And so I shot her a text of like, with her vineyard being right next door. And she also helps out with uh, Trout Lily there. and. Uh, said, Hey, what do you look for in a pick decision? And expecting, right. expecting a couple sentence reply instead, uh, I'll be there in five minutes was her reply. And, uh, we walked the vineyard for the next three hours and looking at all the kind of the physiological elements, uh, that you look for in making a pick decision. So mm. invaluable there, you know, David and Eugenia have been still, you know, just so gracious with their time. Uh, and knowledge. I mean, it's got a hundred years of winemaking experience between the two of them. Like, that's invaluable. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I've been surprised. Rollin Solace, when first started thinking about making some bubbles, 
And again, not having you know anything but kind of book knowledge and what was available online, but knowing Rollin was like, but just, just blindly, and you know, we'd supported Roko in the past and uh, just, just a, just an email. Hey, would you, would you mind giving me a, a you know, a, a tutorial and right. came over and I mean, it's it just it, story. I, was, I can't, I mean, everybody, there's been no one that I've ever reached out to. And there's been plenty of people where I reach out and I'm like, there's no way they're going to respond to me or give me time. Right. Every one of them has. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, we, we would, yeah, we would not, I think, I think we're on a, a fantastic trajectory um, in a lot of ways from a, from a viticulture, from an enology, from a, a growing a wine community perspective. Um, but, you know, all the, all the praise and thanks and, and uh, accolades go to um, smarter people than, than I to, to support that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So I have some rapid fire questions. Okay. I'll get you out of here. All right. Uh, favorite artist to listen to during harvest? Uh, so much of it is dependent upon the mood. So being small like we are, uh, being having a four-member team, we're reliant upon club members and family members and friends to assist us so uh being cognizant of uh the varying demographic uh that that ends up being and what resonates with everybody to keep the mood up so it's always lively a lot of times it's classic rock uh it's a lot of springsteen um inevitably when we're when we're processing the temper neo uh and it's going through the distemmer prince purple rain uh gets played (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah just we we definitely don't adopt kind of we had an opportunity when we when aaron and i first started traveling to go and we got a a a winery tour of um louis jadeau by by jacques lardier and um that I mean, fascinating guy, right? Like he, Resonance, he made the wine the first couple of years of Resonance and made the wine at Louis Jadot for 40 years. And like, but uh, I, and it, this, this stands out in my mind because I was, when we bought the, and I don't know why it stood out in my mind, but when we bought the vineyard, it was something that I had kicked around the implementation of. But he said that he doesn't allow anything but classical music to be played anywhere around <laughs> his grapes, vines, vineyard at any time ever. Uh, right. And I was, I have since corroborated that with uh, talking to a, an intern for him. And uh, she expressed that she was listening to some hip hop on her earbuds. And um, she got called out and said, no, you have to even <laughs> classical music only. But I feel like I'd have a mass exodus of um, unpaid uh, uh, harvest crew. Uh, if that were the, the reality. Probably so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, your favorite indulgent food. Tuna tataki. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with tuna tataki. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think the ability to go back in time. I, I think that it would be, or to just or forward in time, just to, to go back and forth in time. I think um, ha- having only one opportunity a year to, to work, uh, with our fruit, um, is, uh, is a tough thing for me to wrap my head around. And, uh, so I think I would want to come back in time and work fruit, uh, here, uh, and have like a 20 year career of, of what already of what, of what the fruit, uh, here was. Um, and then also to be able to move forward so that some of these crazy experiments that we try, uh, so, you know, understanding if they were good or bad, uh, right. right now, as opposed to waiting. Patience is so hard. It is so it hard. Is, it is counter to, uh, my, my being, but I'm learning it. Yes. So on that note, um, who is your favorite superhero? Superman. Okay. Yeah. Harvest notes. Are they digital or handwritten? They are handwritten and then digitized. Uh, and then last book you read, it could be on Audible, it could be physical, or it could be a, like a podcast. Uh, it is 
currently I have allowed myself to ha read some kind of less, uh, some, some more kind of enjoyable reading. And it's uh, Kermit Lynch's book, um, A Wine Buyer's Route or something of that nature. Uh, uh, it's, it's talking about his first time traveling through France when he's determining what um, producers he was going to import uh, into into the United States. Uh, so it's it's pretty light comparatively. Most of what I read is technical books about winemaking and viticulture. I can uh, I can imagine. Yes, <laughs> but I've allowed myself a, a little bit of a, a our winemaker David uh, Bellows. He he. Uh, it's the book that that he says he read that got him interested in in, in the wine business and winemaking, and so he bought the book for me, and uh, so I've been enjoying that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Shall we reveal the wine? Please do. All right. So the you know I always try to find something. Yeah. First, I had to get you know one, a, yeah, one of the classic Vinalock. Yeah. Had to get one of those, and then you know it's it's young. Right, and it's it's. Oh wow, it is young. I was I was off of that. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I appreciate it. That's a fantastic wine. Yeah. You know, so I know that you're a, a Beaufort fan. Oh my gosh, I can't even talk. A Beaufort fan. I am. And uh, I am yeah. a Beaufort Beaufort fan. Uh, gosh, uh, I mean, I you know, I guess. So what did I what did I say about the wine? It's a it's a warmer a warm vineyard, which is untrue. That's a cool vineyard. Uh, I said it was a warm year, which that had heat spikes, but overall the vintage was pretty average. Um, what else did I say about it? High alcohol, which I know it doesn't, because that's just not the style. Uh, Twelve point nine. So I was wrong on all accounts, which is why I was reticent to say anything. You know, and that's that's the humbling <laughs> thing about wine. Yeah, it sure is. It's so humbling. It sure is. But a terrific wine, and I thank you for sharing it. Yeah, no, thank yeah. you. And, you know, I appreciate you taking the time today. This has been a blast. I appreciate you uh, including me in this fantastic podcast that you're doing. I am a fan uh, and an avid listener. Uh, it provides me uh, uh, some some great um, fodder as I'm, as I'm tractor driving. Um, although now I'll be... Uh, I'll be out an hour of listening because there's no way I'm going to listen to this this conversation. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers.